a podcast one production. My feet smell. Like they smell so bad I can smell them up through the table. Good. Yeah. That's what you want. It's either my feet or my underpants. Okay. Let's start. This is Radical Fashionism with Christian and Andy. And we're doing a podcast because what we're wearing is too good for you to look at. Due to popular demand, I want to bring back a segment, yep. which we've left out of a couple of our mm-hmm. last episodes, yep. and that's the what the f*** are you wearing? <laughs> In my head, it's like a Price is Right music. <laughs> Let me just call down to Simon. Simon? Yeah. Can we get the Price is Right music? Uh-huh. Copyright. No one listens to it anyway. All right. Thanks. Bye. So walk me through this outfit. I want to know the inspiration and then describe the actual pieces. Um, okay, the inspiration today was it's hot and I want to look slutty and like a toddler. <laughs> yeah, sexy toddler is such a vibe. I really feel yeah, like I'm I've in- just stolen like a like young child's like gym outfit yeah. and I'm in it. <laughs> um, I'm in a Sandro red knit polo that I bought in Saint-Tropez. I liked it much more when I bought it in Saint-Tropez, I assume because I was like several rosés deep. Um, and tiny little Fred Perry blue short shorts and then Kappa white socks and silver Calvin sneaks. Yeah, you look sneaking. cute. I like it. I like it. I like the sexy toddler look. It's been something that I've embraced for a long time. I also time. feel like if you were like spontaneously like, let's go play tennis, I could be like, yeah, I can do that. What are you in? Well, I always love to put on an outfit to come and record radical fashionism because I feel like if I look good, I sound good. I also like that you're saying that it's to record this as though this isn't like an everyday. Like you could be wearing this outfit to work. Yeah, but still, like I wouldn't just come here. Like I was going to just wear that Vivian Westwood jumpsuit that I wear all summer because it's my easy thing. But I was like, no, no, no. You wore that last time you recorded. You need to put on something new. Like, you know, fresh ideas, fresh outfit. And I have on a pair of platform Doc Martin boots, the Acne Rider shorts, uh, just like a black, very string, like 80s gym singlet. And then over the top, a it's like made of fly screen. It's by uh, Walter Van Biendork. And it's like a made of fly screen jumper. And it has imp- it like Beated. beading on yeah. the front. And it just says brutal beauty with like the sigil he always does. I bought it from .com. It's very cute. It is very cute. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Like you would think it's really cool. It's not. I'm sweating like a whore in and church. And scratchy. Now we're here to talk about something that's very close to your heart. It is. Your feta cheese. Feta cheese? Yeah, that's right. Feta cheese stuffed heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, as the heir to the Kalamata Olive Fortune, <laughs> I think that I am an authority on this topic. So you, you're half a Greek. I'm half a Greek. I'm very proud. I call myself a wog very often. I always feel the need to like then explain that I'm a wog because I'm uh, obviously like blonde and very pale and blue eyed. I still think you look Mediterranean. You don't get a nose like this without being a wog. So a wog stands for a Western orientated gentleman. Just to, I want to clear that up. That is what the word wog stands for. Even now in this kind of space that we've created to talk about quote unquote wog fashion, I feel temperamental to say the word like it's a little like it's still a bit permission. of a, it's still a bit of a naughty word like um absolutely it is like this is a branch of people spanning quite a few countries who have completely redesigned what it is to be australian and that's fucking exciting like they got here and we had a a cobra hat with corks hanging off it and they were like actually 
six-inch pump. Like, yeah. I love that it's just the exact opposite of Australia, yeah. but is so Australian now. Mate. But I think that is really at the core in the dirt where this kind of need for Mediterranean people to dress up is. It's from immigrating to countries they're not from, having to make it having to open their restaurants, having to, you know, work really yeah. hard. They want to be appreciated for the amazing creative contribution that they have and they, you know, they just can't wear jeans and thongs. Yeah. You need to look good or you will be judged. Yeah. It's like you and I as, you know, gay men, we're already on the back foot so we need to work even harder. Yeah. I mean, you know, times is a changing. But I think there's still a lot of that in kind of our generation of people like, with your community having to look good because you were so discriminated against when you came here. Like it's only now that we can start to maybe use the word wog as a term of endearment when yeah. before it was a f- racial slur. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of is why you want to look good because you're doing good. Yeah. Don't come for me. Mm-hmm. Check it. Now, although you are technically, genetically only half Greek, the Greek side is incredibly Greek, like to the point where you used to own a fruit shop. Yeah, like I, yeah. I mean, not personally. <laughs> like Con the Fruiterer. At the age of 12, <laughs> I opened up my fruit store. Um, yeah, my family had a, a fruit shop called Mixed Nuts. Yeah, that's a very funny pun. A double entendre, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Because he was named Mick. He was. Yeah, but the store was called Mix Nuts, M-I-X. Yeah. You see what you see what they did there? Yeah. Yeah, not only style icons, but also kings of comedy. And I am the type of person that walks into a worse and I need to smell every single piece of fruit. I think here, obviously in Australia, we have a really high Greek community. We have a really big Lebanese community, but it, this style of dressing transcends that. Like, you know, you have Hispanic, Puerto Rican, like all of these ethnicities that are, even Spanish, like they all pray at the altar of like sexiness. Yeah. And that's, I guess, at the core for me where I see this, this, um, style of dressing is it's hot my um auntie recently my great auntie passed away and not auntie mandy no 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 my great auntie my yaya sister um and we went up to brisbane to the funeral firstly also greek funerals the greek orthodox church like beautiful but jesus christ they go for a long time they do love to sing yeah but it's the two singers like the first man's like and the second guy's i'm like i just heard it (laughs) Can we just harmonise to cut down time? But Exactly. <laughs> like, but um, my auntie, the night before the funeral, I was like, what are you going to wear? And she came back with this um, tiny, it was probably like 30 centimetres, multicoloured leopard print miniskirt. And she was like this. Sense. And I like started laughing. So I was like, we're going to a funeral. Like, she's not wearing that. And she was like, yes, this is what I'm wearing. And then her daughter came and she was in this like, leopard print, normal leopard print, caftan. And I was like, I love this. Yeah. Like, I was just in, like, head-to-toe black suit, like, classic whatever. And oh, they're what in these, like... Noise? They're in these... What was that noise that I just heard? The unprofessionalism here is staggering. Actually, it's fine because uh, my Greek friend, Yana Kalagoropoulos, was the person that texted me. I cannot... She clearly could feel the sheer, wog energies. The sheer unprofessionalism in this room is staggering. How can I soar with eagles when I'm making this with a chicken? 
poodles. If you don't have legs, you can't wear high heels. And if you don't have a brain, here's a history segment. Watch closely. Welcome to the Radical Fashionism School of Fashion for the Gifted. And the not-so-gifted. I love it. So I'm going to teach you something about your culture, you ignorant tit. Already, <laughs> oh, I'm going to teach you about, um, I guess the the start, the very beginning of what I guess you would consider wog fashion, ancient wog fashion, uh, the toga. Wasn't there like OG one in ancient Greece, and it was like called something else? Uh, so, like the hemorite or something. Okay, so, and then it moved to. Sorry, if you just if you just shut your dumb mouth. Um, clothing in ancient Crete actually primarily consisted of the chiton, <laughs> C-H-I-T-O-N, the peplos, the himaltion. Yeah, that's the one. And chalmius, C-H-L-A-M-Y-S. And ancient Greek men and women typically wore two pieces of clothing draped about the body. Uh, an undergarment, which was the chiton. I mean, at least like its name really kind of conveys like what it's doing. Or the peplos. And like a cloak, which was, I guess, the toga. In my head, it's very like MC Hammer kind of pants. And yeah, yeah, sure. And it was, look, it was basically based on necessity and function. You know, they also doubled as bed sheets, So it was clothing for multiple purposes. Are you being serious or are you being funny? No, no, I'm dead serious. So, you know, for uh, like a lower socioeconomic person, the toga would also double as their blanket. That's funny because every time that I've ever had a toga party, I've always made it from a blanket. Yeah, that's your ancient Greek heritage. Now, there wasn't a lot of... (laughs) There wasn't a lot of cutting or sewing, obviously. It was mostly just draping and then fastenings with, like, very ornate fastenings to keep it, I guess, together. Um, They were interchangeable between men and women, which I think is very progressive. However, women had to wear their robes to their ankles, whereas men could finish at their knee, which I guess, you know, the struggle's always been real, even in ancient Greece, I guess. Even to the knee. Yeah. Like, I, I'm I'm more of a fan of, like, a mid-thigh. Yeah. Now, while no... Is an option? Now, while no clothes actually survived from this period, we get all the descriptions from artistic depictions. So, like, you know, statues, whatever, that kind of stuff. The Greeks had a great appreciation for the human body and it was shown in their kind of fashion. The fabric, I guess it was expertly draped and we still kind of carry that through today. Like my mum said, everyone's tits look good in a cow neck. They do. And the cloth could be made slightly transparent. Uh, males had no problem with nudity. They were allowed to be in like sheer clothes at boot and a boot. But women could only be naked in the public bath. Could you imagine if we had to have public baths now? Well, I mean, we have bathhouses still. They were usually homemade. Obviously, Versace hadn't started yet, but it you know it comes in pretty quickly. Soon, though. It was all made out of natural fibres, and this is also... <laughs> Duh. But this is also where, in the Bible, obviously the Bible is kind of... Um, they don't oh, like mixing fibres and shit. Yeah, it's a reformatting of, like, ancient culture, which helped kind of... Um, integrate it into society yeah. and that this is kind of where they you know you'll go to hell if you wear yeah, blended fibers from that's Leviticus. Like Job 3.14 don't wear yeah. blended fibers and shit. So it was mostly linen on the rare occasion when it was cold in Greece they would wear wool and it was pretty much a neutral color palette unless you were very very rich and you could afford to dye which with purple meant you were you were bougie. Mm. And it still does. You yeah. know like if you're wearing Everybody purple Everybody wants to be. Yeah. Bougie, bougie. I think, like, the colour purple taught me that if you're rich, you wear purple. Um, (laughs) No, that's not true. Anyway, any kind of colour alterations were done organically through, like, clay, flour, whatever. 
Again, I feel like that's obvious, but thank you. <laughs> well, you didn't know it before. Well, I, like, I would have assumed that it was from organic matter. Like, it's not as though they were there with synthetic fibres. I'm never doing this for you again. This is it. <gasps> I tried to expand your mind. I didn't get a single date. What? What do you mean? It was all f***ing BC. We didn't have watches. Like, If none of the clothes survived, I can hardly think that we kept times and dates of the runway that show. That is one thing with, like, world history that I don't understand is, like, were they suddenly like, one, two, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like when was one? What happens if you were born in like 3 BC and then it's like 4 AD? How old are you? Yeah, I don't know. Are you four or are you seven? I guess it's like being born on a leap year. <laughs> but like everyone. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. No worries. And that's Greek fashion. <laughs> hey, Chrysanthi, as you're like an amazing fashion features editor at Grazia Magazine, I'm just sending you this quick voice memo to see if you wanted to come into the studio and talk about Greek fashion with Andy and me, because like you're Greek and I'm Greek and we both love fashion. You know, it's just meant to be. P.S. Um, please bring some olives or some tzatziki or some galaktopodoko. Otherwise, I don't really want you in to talk about togas if there's no food. Okay. Love you. Bye. Presenting. How do you say your last name? Here we go. It's actually phonetic. It's just Caliviotis, how it's spelled. <coughs> Presenting. Chrysanthi <laughs> Caliviotis. As a fashion features editor of Grazia, what exactly does that mean? I actually do all of the fashion editorial content, so I write all of the features. So obviously we're kind of like a slim team now in Australia, so there's only one per vertical, but I will basically do every news piece, every fashion piece. I don't do the styling side, I do all of the writing side. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a journalist by trade. The rebirth of Grazia into the Australian magazine climate was a really big, like, Feather in our fashion cap. It really was. Because I used to love Grazia in its original yeah. like formation yep. here in Australia where yep. it was like half high-end, half trash mag. Yeah. And now it's obviously elevated itself to yeah. be a really serious... But we still have a bit of celeb. Like, we still have a bit of that. Like, we bridge the gap. Oh, my God, we love it. Maybe we love it. We love yeah, it. but that that does bring us into today's topic while yes. you're here. If your last name wasn't a Q enough, we're here to talk about wogs. In the most appreciative and best way we can. Well, Chrysanthi and I are both wogs. Yeah, so you actually can't say the word. Yeah, but I'm a racist, so it's fine. Oh, yeah, that's okay then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is it still, is it a word that you, and I say this to both of you just to, to warm us up here, um, so don't edit this out because all this stuff is going to stop people from, like, egging our egging cars. Out. <laughs> Throwing milk um, on my door. The, do you feel like you have reclaimed that word, that your community has kind of taken it repurposed it and now you got because you use the word all the time. I personally love it because I don't look like one, but I'm yeah. so proud of my um, wog heritage. Did you just say you don't look like one? You look like an ancient Greek. Thank you. You look and like And by that she means dry and powdery. <laughs> <laughs> you look like how the ancient Greeks used to look like blonde, Before blue the eyes. came in. No, it was the Turks, but that's okay. Oh, it was actually Kim Kardashian in a spray tan. It, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we can just get back. But you it. actually do. So, but when you first told me you were Greek, I was like, "What?" But as a wog and the fashion features editor of Grazia, yes, your two official titles. Yes. What is wog fashion to you? Well, I was thinking about this, and I feel like it kind of like is this dichotomy between two things. I feel like it's like OTT glam. 
but then it's also like Kappa Bro. Do you know what I mean? I feel like it sits on this too. So I feel like on the one side, it's like the hat on the tilt, Mm. like that stereosonic, like bum bag, shirts off, chains, like also like iconic, the three stripes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Adidas. But then on the other side, I feel like it's super like, it's just the really ostentatious, like flamboyant glam. So it's like the blow wave, it's like head to toe poochie. Yeah. It's that real like extravagance and a huge, obviously, like leaning towards designer brands. Is that what your mother was like? My mum's has always been very glam, but like not so much designer glam, just always very, very well presented. Like she was like, you absolutely need to get dressed up to go to the shops, as she would say. No, I did a lot of reading and there was some really interesting things I read, which I think tie to this uh, constant need to be well presented. Mm -hmm. And they were actually, they were less about fashion and they were actually about the, uh, like the immigration of the Italian people and their influence on food culture here. And, you know, before kind of that happened in the fifties, you could only get pasta from a Legos bottle and, and but then Italian restaurants started opening and the people who ran them were austere about the presentation and it became a big thing, like how you present an Italian plate and the restaurants always looked beautiful and a very old owner was writing a thing and he was like, it's because we were always judged. Mm. We were always second-class citizens here. Mm. So we had to make sure that we looked good. Like if we looked bad, it was so much worse then, it would just add fuel to yeah, the fire. Yeah, it was adding fuel yeah. to the fire. And I think that has a lot to do with the presentation, particularly of females in um, in that kind of immigration culture because you became a target. And Australian men particularly have a tendency to be pigs. <laughs> so you had to look good. Otherwise, you would have just been slammed. Yeah. Um, but it has evolved into a really, like, visual, strong look that exists to the point that sometimes I went through this huge Versace shirt phase where I was like, my look for summer was like Wog Dad. Wog Queen. Yeah, Yeah. Wog Queen. Like it is is a trend that cannot be, it cannot be looked away from. Well, there's that term Euro trash. Yeah. Which I feel like, I mean, obviously not, uh, there's a great shop on Chapel Street which is named Eurotrash. Yes. But it's actually a term, and I actually looked it up being a hard-hitting fashion journalist that I am. I also did some research. And they actually, it was actually a derogatory term that was actually coined in the 1980s in New York. And it was about the way it was for those who, those like immigrants who were perceived to be affluent mm. and actually a little bit kind of arrogant. And yeah. so they would dress a certain way. But I feel like it's almost like back to the reclaiming thing. I feel like growing up was really frowned upon and now I'm kind of embracing it more. Like I'm Absolutely. like, yeah, I'm going to do a head-to-toe Versace. Absolutely. You're like, also a girl. It's one of the reasons that I feel like we love you. You're a girl that's not afraid to put on a look. I love a look. And actually, I feel like a look in itself is a very like wog thing well, to do. Well, that's right. You're going like, to an event, you, you pick the look. You do a look. Like yeah. you don't just wear like, you know, a, like a jean and a white shirt. You wear a look. Yeah. You wear a look when you go to Parramatta Westfield. A hundred percent. Like yeah. you wear, wear a look when you go to Chadston's. You wear a look to go everywhere. Chadston's. Chadston's. Plural. Plural. Like there's two of them. <laughs> Chadston's. I you, love that. You can't that. refer to Chadston unless there's two. Yeah, unless there's two. And I think <laughs> just to pull back to your point about like there's two looks, it's very glam and it's very, or it's very athletic. The thing that connects them is sex. Yeah. It's sex. Yeah. And, but if you look at Mediterranean Europe, it's sexy. It's, it's sexy. Hot. <laughs> and I think it can't, like, there is a celebration of bodies there. Yeah. And they aren't, like, the rail thin stereotypical And the bodies. female form. Like, yeah. you don't want to wear 
like a sack. No. My mum's like, why do you, you don't want to wear a potato sack. Like my mum could never get over, like oversized fashion. She's like, you want to show off your curves. Yeah, but you look at Greek art, you look at, you, yeah. know, you know, ancient Mesopotamian art, there is a huge influence yeah, to like, the, and the healthy female form, like yep. childbearing hips, big booze. Like yep. it, it has been there for 10,000 years, like, and it's it's still here, like it resonates still with the culture, yep. which I think is a really interesting part. And it's funny that a lot of people will be like, oh, it's trashy. But when you kind of look at its roots, you're like, it was the start of of dressing, like yep. the Completely. toga, the, like these things, like ancient Rome was the start of fashion and we still reference it now. Like yeah. you still have Lom Von sending it down in the last collection, like it's still so prevalent. Completely. Quote, unquote, wog fashion, even though it kind of can get a bad rap. What do you think is the biggest influence in wog fashion? Or who? Or who. I kind of, like, for me, I always go back to, like, the Godfather, like... No, not actually the Godfather, but, like, Gianni Versace. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, not Godfather, you're right. No, you're right. No, you're right. You're right. Marlon Brando. No, no. <laughs> I think her, who's she? I like, who's that, who's that doll? Um, I always think back to Gianni and, like, that, for me, like, Versace is, like, the pinnacle yeah. of, like, modern wog fashion. Yeah. And then, obviously, like, Donatella, who took over the reins, is just, like, the pin-up of, like, yeah. just that glamour, like, that brand of, like, just ostentatious glamour. But now I almost feel like Gucci's, like, replaced that a little bit. If you had to, like, put together an outfit that was, like, epitome wog fashion, like, oh. bam. I literally feel like it's not even about... I'm always, like, for example, this top I'm wearing today, there was, like, three colour options. There was white, there was black, and there was hot pink. Like, when I was buying it, I obviously had to go... Of course. ..for the brightest colour. And I feel like it's those subtle, slight things. Also, if I'm, like, wearing, like, I'm, like, I'm going to go really chic and tailored today, I'm going to wear the row, I'm going to wear Jill Sander, but then I'll have, like, a full blow wave and a lash. And I feel like it's Like those, a 501 on the top yeah. and yeah, the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can't see. No, you can't see. I yeah. I can't say you it. have like a, a blind person's walking yeah. stick to get you around. <laughs> but I feel like it's those subtleties. So I feel like sometimes I'm like, I look so chic and understated today. And then I look in the mirror, I'm like, whoa, I have actually a poodle perm. Who is she? Who is she? Like, glam. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like it's those things. And I feel like even when I'm trying to do like a subtle look, I feel like there's these little like, there'll always be something. The inner wog will always come out. Well, I actually asked my my boyfriend, he's like full skip, how he would describe my fashion. He's like, it's basically like hood rat. You're either like nothing or you're Met Gala. Yeah. And I was like, that's actually me. He's like, your wardrobe's Met Gala. Like every time I'm like, I've got to go to a party. Like it's a bit like chill. What should I wear? He's like, you have nothing chill because all you have is Met Gala or you have your pajamas. Yeah. I think that's the best way to live, though. And I think that is, the that is at its core, the real wog that's aesthetic. That's the real wog, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a bandage dress no. and like bad contour. It can also just be... Like just gym jams or f***ing on. Yeah, And exactly. that's what we all should be striving for. Like, I don't think Marilyn Manson sits at home in a juicy couture sweatsuit, like, watching J-Lo videos. So, like, why should we? Exactly. But do you realise it's extra or are you just like, oh, this is the chic, like, I need to put on the feathered boob tube and those white Pilates pants because that's chic. Like, does it, does it register for you too that maybe, because there will be times where Christian and I will be going to something very serious or very sensible and he'll right. be like, I'm oh, wearing this, this and this and I'll be like, oh, I didn't realise you were the queen of the night. <laughs> like... Well, that's his mistake, yeah, personally. Like, oh, sorry, are you blind? Like, like, <laughs> Whitney is dead and the role is mine. Like, we'll be going just to, like, see a play and he'll be like, oh, I'm just going to wear this headdress. <laughs> sometimes I don't think I am and then I get, sometimes I'm like, it must be just be an, an innate thing and I'm like, I just bring, like, the glamour and I don't realise it and then I get to a party and they're like, I was like, whoa. No one's ever had a shit time in a Versace shirt. That's true. 
That's well, true. Maybe, I think the time he maybe took the mail, he was maybe killed. it wasn't great. Mm. Yeah. I think we're done. Okay, well, we better call Richard. Hi, thanks for calling. Leave a message and I'll get right back to you. Bye. Hi, Dad. Um, It's just me calling you back because you've called me 16 times um, and text me multiple times saying to call you urgently and now you're not going to pick up. So that's really handy. Uh, today we're talking about wog fashion. Andy's here. Say hi. Hi. Um. So is your tan inspired by them or just a coincidence? <laughs> it was inspired by his favourite wife, Michelle. <laughs> Also, we all know you're ringing just because you can't find the Apple TV remote. Anyway, love you. Bye. Radical Fashionism was presented by Christian Wilkins and Andy Kelly, created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Alex Mitchell, executive producer Jennifer Goggin. Sound production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.